folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. The podcast did take a bit of an unexpected break uh, last week, uh, was off on leave uh, for the Easter holiday period, and yeah, unfortunately the podcast fell by the wayside, so I apologise for that, but we are back again uh, with you all this week, and what a week to be back, because it is the uh, official release of the newest long-term support release for Ubuntu, Ubuntu 2204 uh, LTS, the Jammy Jellyfish, so we'll be diving into some of the new features in that. Plus, we will do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the past couple of weeks. So, uh, this last two weeks, there were 58 unique CVEs that were addressed by the team. And up first, we had an update for the Linux kernel. This was for uh, Azure and Oracle Clouds. Uh, this is for the Ubuntu 2004 uh, long-term support release. So if you're running that in Azure or Oracle, uh, you're actually running a 5.13 kernel there, and this one is all for you. So it included 23 CVEs that were patched in this update. A lot of these I have talked about in previous episodes, so we won't go into a lot of detail here, but uh, there were a couple high-priority ones there. Uh, in particular, uh, the eBPF verifier could possibly allow a point arithmetic uh, outside of bounds in uh, BPF operations. That could then allow someone that could load BPF programs to cause an out-of-bounds read or write in the kernel and likely then a crash, so denial of service as the impact for that or possibly privilege escalation. And as well, there was an issue in uh, the Cgroups v1 release agent implementation wasn't properly restricted and so that could also allow unprivileged users to get privilege escalation there as well. Uh, so they have all been fixed plus uh, a use after free in the network traffic control subsystem again could cause a denial of service or a crash through that one uh, plus a bunch of other vulnerabilities as I said. As well, uh, the Linux kernel that is used uh, on the Bluefield platforms has been updated as well. That's again for Ubuntu 2004 long-term support. 15 different CVEs went into that, uh, including both that BPF verifier issue and the Cgroups v1 release agent that I just talked about. We had an update after that for FreeBiddy. This is a library for handling Unicode bidirectional text and contained a bunch of different uh, memory corruption vulnerabilities there that have been fixed. And that is for uh, Ubuntu releases 1804 long-term support, 24 long-term support, and 2110. An update for uh, the OpenStack uh, Oslo Utils package. This is a Python library uh, that has a bunch of utility functions used by OpenStack. In this case, uh, there was vulnerability where uh, if someone had used a password that contained a double quote in it, uh, it wouldn't then properly mask that in debug logs and it would then expose the part of the password that followed uh, the double quote there. So that has been fixed and that goes all the way back to 604 Extended Security Maintenance plus uh, all the releases since that that we support. An update for Firefox came after that. This updates Firefox to the latest upstream release, 99.04 Ubuntu 1804 long-term support, 24 long-term support, and 2110. Uh, again, being Firefox, this includes a heap of different issues uh, that we usually see in these sort of web browsers and web frameworks, you know, where uh, malicious actors uh, on um, malicious websites could you know, potentially get remote code execution or perform cross-site scripting attacks against you, all that kind of stuff. However, uh, there was one interesting one there that I saw, which uh, included an issue where if you just selected text, that could be enough to cause memory corruption in the text selection cache and cause Firefox to crash. So I guess if someone uh, could trick you into selecting text uh, you know, from a particular part of a website, they could cause your Firefox to crash as a result. So you have a bit of a different one there. An update for TCP dump followed that. Uh, I actually talked about this back in episode 153 where this same update was done for uh, 604 extended security maintenance. This is now being done for 1804 and 24 long-term support as well. Uh, an update for Django, and that again goes all the way back to actually 1404 extended security maintenance plus uh, 1604 extended security maintenance, 1804 and 24 long-term support, and uh, 2110, the impish injury. Uh, this had three different CVEs two of which were different SQL injection attacks and one was a header injection attack that could be performed, but they've all been fixed. 
Uh, what else? We had an update for LibArchive for uh, more recent releases. So 24 long-term support and 21.10. In this case, uh, it was an out-of-bounds uh, read that could be triggered when handling crafted LZMA archives. So you could possibly get a denial of service out of that and crash LibArchive. Subversion was updated as well. I guess the venerable uh, version control system doesn't see a lot of use uh, nowadays. Obviously, Git is the world-dominating uh, version control system nowadays. Uh, but yeah, I certainly have fond memories of using Subversion, or maybe not so fond. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so two different CVs here for, again, the more recent versions of Subversion in 24 Long-Term Support and 2110. Uh, both of these were in uh, the Subversion server part, uh, both actually in the handling of path-based authorization rules. Uh, one of these was a logic error that could then allow an attacker to bypass uh, those uh, authorization rules and potentially expose information about private paths. And the other one was actually a more traditional use after free memory corruption vulnerability that could be uh, triggered again in that same part of the code and likely get a crash or possible code execution in the subversion server as a result. Git was updated uh, for a single CVE. Again, this goes uh, into Ubuntu 1804 long-term support, 24 long-term support, and 2110. In this case, uh, it was more around Git for Windows, but I guess given that you know we do have Ubuntu used on uh, WSL, it's important that we fix this as well uh, for that kind of use case. So in this case, it's possible remote code execution if uh, another user created a .git directory in uh, the root of your Windows uh, machine. Uh, that could then obviously have you know its own Git config in there, and when you were to say run Git uh, commands, that would then get included as a result. You know, obviously it would be read by your standard user, and so then you could possibly get uh, you know, arbitrary commands getting executed by a different user as a result. Uh, Nginx was updated as well for a bunch of different CVs, including one for HTTP request smuggling. Again, that goes back to 16.4 extended security maintenance plus uh, the releases since that. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, this was uh, an interesting one in uh, gzip and xedutils. Uh, it was possible uh, to get local files overwritten by just running uh, xedgrep or zgrep that come from both those packages uh, against crafted file names. Uh, so yeah, that was a bit of an interesting one in some pretty old packages there and some pretty old code. Uh, neither of those, I think, think I've seen a CV for a very long time, if any. Uh, what else? We've only got a couple more to go through. We've got Kalibc updated all the way back to 14.04 Extended Security Maintenance plus 16.04 Extended Security Maintenance, 18.04 Long-Term Support and 24 Long-Term Support. Uh, this is a small, uh, I guess, library of commands that is intended to be used in things like init RAMFS images or embedded file, um, embedded systems. Basically, uh, it has a bunch of things like uh, implementations of CAT and DD, DMESC, uh, gzip, ibconfig, and a heap of others so that you, know, you can use it in those uh, very small environments. But it did contain a bunch of different uh, integer overflow and other bugs that would lead to memory corruption and so therefore a you know, possible code execution you know, as a result through these tools but given that you know, you're generally running these on uh, particular file names and the like uh, you're unlikely to actually be able to be uh, triggered in practice but they have been fixed as well and similarly we had a low priority issue in bash that was fixed again all the way back to 14.4 extended security maintenance uh, and through the uh, long-term support releases since that in this case, it was an issue around incorrect handling of set URI binaries. Uh, Bash wouldn't properly drop privileges, uh, so it would then allow a user who could cause Bash to load their own crafted built-in module to then escalate privileges back uh, by restoring the saved uh, user ID. So basically, it would uh, you know not as, uh, you know reset the saved user ID as part of that uh, privilege dropping. You know, privilege dropping is uh, a hard thing to get correct. There are a bunch of different steps that always need to be taken there in the right order. Otherwise, you you know potentially leave avenues open for someone to regain privilege. Uh, so yeah, that is, uh, I guess, not uh, uncommon to see that kind of issue, but yeah, good to see it fixed in Bash now as well. And that is it for the week in security updates. 
All right, so as I said, the big news of this week is it is the official release of Ubuntu 22.04 uh, long-term support, the newest long-term support released for Ubuntu. Uh, this has been in the works, I guess, really for two years, uh, given that the last long-term support released 2004 uh, was two years ago now. Uh, we have had the interim releases uh, in between, three of them, uh, and the different features that have gone into that obviously are kind of incremental features that eventually also land in 22.04. Uh, and as a result, you know, the majority of users we know are using the long-term support release releases and so you know, hearing I guess the features that aren't just you know since the last interim release but actually since uh, 24 long-term support is uh, the most useful things to hear so yeah I will do a bit of a summary I suppose of the uh, the release notes for Jammy uh, and this release is called the Jammy Jellyfish as uh, all Ubuntu releases have a code name you know from here on in we generally will refer to it by uh, the version number but uh, yeah Jammy Jellyfish is the name and it has some pretty cool uh, desktop artwork there if you are running the desktop image of that uh, like all our long-term support releases, this has five years of standard support and then five years of extended security maintenance support, which gives you 10 years of security support in total. Uh, it was a really good platform then, obviously, for uh, you know deploying any sorts of system and that kind of thing, because you know you have 10 years of support guaranteed. Uh, by the time you hear this, uh, on, the release will already be out. It's not at the moment as I record this, but it is very close. Uh, everyone is working really hard to make sure that can happen and be as smooth as possible. So uh, looking at some of the things that are different about this, uh, particularly the kernel, uh, not only does it sort of upgrade to a newer version, but there are a bunch of different kernel versions offered depending on what uh, image you're running and on what hardware you're running on. So if you're using the desktop image on our OEM certified devices, you will actually get a 5.17 kernel at the moment. Uh, and so that is a, a new kernel with lots of new features there, and that is being maintained by our uh, OEM team. Uh, for other hardware, you will get the rolling hardware enablement kernel, uh, and that is currently 5.15, but as uh, you know, newer kernels come online in newer Ubuntu releases, that will be essentially backported to 22.04, so you will get kind of newer kernel features and the like as a result on the desktop. On the server, uh, it, by default, it doesn't use that rolling uh, image. Instead, you get uh, the general availability kernel, which, as I said, is 5.15. Uh, that obviously will be maintained as well, but yeah, it doesn't jump forward on kernel version uh, by default. Uh, on the cloud, so depending on which cloud uh, you deploy on, you will get a different customized kernel for that, as you probably hear me talk about each week. You know, when we do kernel updates, uh, there are different updates that go into each of the cloud-specific kernels, and they have uh, you know various additional backported features and the like that go into those. That is currently a 5.15 kernel but again you know, that is likely to change uh, in the future as we roll forward uh, depending on what you know our cloud partners uh, want to be doing there and like I said as always these are just the defaults in terms of kernels uh, you know you can potentially run say the hardware enablement kernel on your uh, Ubuntu server install so that you can make use of newer kernel features and the like as that goes forward uh, and I guess similarly for a desktop you, know, you could stick to uh, the uh, general availability kernel 5.15 for the whole life if you wanted to as well. Uh, so yeah, that is, uh, I guess, a good change for kernels. Uh, what else? Uh, so UDP has been disabled for NFS mounts. Uh, that is only supported by T or TCP is only supported there now going forward. Uh, the foundations team has done a lot of work on toolchain upgrades. So we see things like uh, GCC 11.2 in there, uh, LLVM uh, 14. What else? Uh, we've got uh, Python 3.10 by default. And as I mentioned in a few weeks ago, that is now uh, position independent executable. So you know, a little bit more defensive there uh, to harden against potential memory corruption attacks. What else? Uh, Golang is updated to 1.18.x uh, as that goes forward. Uh, Rust, the Rust compiler, uh, that's actually now in main, will be supported. That's at version 1.58. 
What else? Uh, OpenJDK uh, 11 is in main and officially supported, but OpenJDK 8 is uh, OpenJDK 18, should I say, is provided as well. That's in universe, so you can uh, you know try that out and deploy OpenJDK 18 uh, if you need to. Uh, but as I say, OpenJDK 11 is the officially supported one, and that's what you know, I guess all the other um, Java parts in Ubuntu uh, are compiled against. Uh, systemd omd that's the out of memory daemon uh, part of systemd is now enabled by default on ubuntu desktop for i guess nicer handling of out of memory situations and kind of controlling the kernels out of memory killer so that you know more uh, i guess we choose uh, the applications better to kill off in those circumstances to keep your desktop nice and responsive uh, that isn't enabled by default on a server but there's obviously something you can enable if you like uh, we now have OpenSSL 3.0 as uh, you know the supported OpenSSL version. Uh, this disables various legacy algorithms, in particular SHA-1 and MD5 for certificate hashes, uh, and you know, a bunch of other features there as well. Uh, NF tables is now the default backend for firewalls. So within the kernel, uh, I guess there is the uh, legacy or traditional X tables backend that was used by IP tables. Uh, and I guess more recently, you know, in the last sort of five or 10 years, I suppose recent, uh, NF tables has come along, which is a, uh, you know, a more complicated backend that allows a lot more flexibility. And this is now the uh, default backend that IP tables will use when you, you know, create IP tables rules. Plus we have actually the NF tables uh, package as well that you can use directly to manipulate those as well. Uh, it should be noted though that sysadmins do need to make sure that uh, whatever applications they are having that configure different uh, firewall rules are using that sa uh, the same backend. So you, it doesn't really work if you've got one configuring uh, NF tables rules and one configuring X tables rules. Uh, the two don't play nicely together. Uh, that then means, you know, in particular as a case in point, the Docker snap at the moment uh, is only knows about the legacy X tables backend. And so if you are using that, it will uh, configure X tables. And so you need to then make sure that everything else on your host is actually using X tables otherwise um, fun breakage can ensue there is an upstream bug about that in the uh, docker snap that is being taken care of so i hope that you know within the next sort of week or two that will be uh, sorted out and you will be able to use say the docker snap but certainly the docker uh, deb uh, will use uh, nf tables by default if you have enabled that what else uh, so uh, OpenSSH uh, has been upgraded and that now uh, disables uh, using SSH RSA uh, keys with SHA-1 signatures. Uh, similarly, I guess, to that OpenSSL uh, update there that we talked about previously. Uh, SCP now supports a new dash S flag, which will then make it use SFTP as the, uh, I guess, implementation for copying files remotely instead of, uh, you know, the traditional SCP protocol itself, which is uh, SFTP is a lot safer uh, because in the past we've seen a bunch of different vulnerabilities in SCP that uh, the upstream developers have kind of said, look, you know, these are, I guess, almost um, vulnerabilities in the actual protocol itself. We can't easily fix these. And so they're deprecating uh, SCP as a, a protocol and as a, a command. And eventually it'll just really be SFTP as the protocol. So uh, yeah, that has now, uh, as I say, that is now supported. So you can start using that for SFTP instead. Firefox is now a snap, and this is a pretty controversial um, you know, upgrade, but it does mean that Firefox is now maintained and published directly by Mozilla. That means that we do get faster access to newer versions. Uh, you know, they're able to manage all of that. It also means that you can actually jump forward easily to say you know, the beta or nightly channels, that kind of thing through the uh, beta and edge uh, snap channels quite easily. And you know, obviously it does use um, the snap sandboxing. So that actually gives you can improve security there because it is sandboxed by default. So 
yeah, that is cool stuff to see. I know that uh, a bunch of people find that controversial. I know actually the desktop team is working on trying to you know improve the performance of the Firefox Snap because it has been uh, noted that you know that is a particularly slow Snap application. So that is being worked on. So we do uh, hope to see more improvements there. But yes, Firefox is a Snap going forwards. Uh, there is, and you know, that's just desktop stuff. You know, a lot of those are ch- apply to server, but looking at the server as well, you know, there's upgrades for you know, all the usual pieces like Bind and Apache, Postgres, uh, Django, MySQL, and Samba. Uh, QMU is updated to 6.2.0, and that uh, in particular includes uh, massively improved uh, RISC-V support, which is cool to see because uh, that is, uh, you know, I guess uh, up and coming architecture, and you know, is now I guess more uh, completely supported by Ubuntu, and so obviously having good ways to emulate that is. Uh, really important libvert is updated and includes integration with uh, software tpm for tpm emulation what that then means i guess is that uh, things like vert manager can then uh, enable a tpm or an emulator tpm out of the box when you do uefi boot of virtual machines and you know, it allows you then obviously to use TPMs within your VMs. You know, so if you're then say running the newer versions of Windows, you know, you can then have you know all the normal you know BitLocker TPM backed encryption and all of that of your VMs. What else? Uh, a couple other things. So WireGuard is now in main, uh, the you know really popular. Um, I guess VPN type solution uh, that is really cool to see. That's officially supported, and you know, I, I and many other people make use of that themselves. So that's really cool to see. And uh, you know, another thing, uh, this is the first LTS release uh, where Ubuntu Desktop is supported on the Raspberry Pi. So if you do have, say, one of the newer Raspberry Pi four models, uh, you know, Ubuntu Desktop is actually supported even on the two gig uh, RAM version of that. So you, know, you can use a small little Raspberry Pi basically as a daily driver, you know, small desktop machine. So that is cool to see too. So yeah, as I said, that's just a brief summary of all the different stuff that's gone into the new release. Uh, you know, we will be focusing on particularly some more security relevant aspects of that in some coming episodes. I'd really like to do a deep dive on the security features that have arrived, I guess, you know, along the way to this release and all the cool things you can expect from that. So yeah, listen out over the next few weeks for that. But speaking of the next week or so, uh, the, the Ubuntu Security Podcast will actually be on break for next week. This one is actually a planned break. Uh, yeah, I'm away next week, uh, taking a week of leave. So yeah, the podcast will be on break. We will be back again with you in the first week of uh, May uh, for 2022. All right. Uh, so that is it for this week's episode. If you get a chance, make sure you do download the new release and check it out. Uh, in the meantime, though, if you've got any feedback on us, make sure you contact us at securityubuntu.com or we hang out in the Ubuntu security channel on the libero.chat IRC network. Uh, there is a security section on discourse.ubuntu.com and we will see any posts that you create there and we'd love to interact with you there. Or as always, we are on Twitter at Ubuntu underscore sec as well. Thanks everyone for listening again for another week. It's great to be back with you all. Uh, as I said, I will see you all in two weeks. And until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.